we, uh, we, we still have a couple of baptisms to go this morning. So I'm going to uh, get through what I have to preach. Um, and I, I, I stood up last week and I preached on, on, on work, a, th- a theology of work. And I said before I preached that um, it felt as if on the Saturday before I preached that I was uh, pregnant. I felt like God wanted to give birth to a uh, new life. And um, this, this morning is, is actually very similar to that. Um, I, I preached on a theology of work last week, and today I want to preach on uh, something that is uh, not very, again, not a very often preached on. And when it is preached on, it's often very poorly understood, and it's rest, Sabbath rest. Um, I'm the worst at buying gifts. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry, that's a lie. I'm very good at buying gifts. I'm the worst at keeping gifts. So uh, I buy gifts not to keep. I buy gifts to give, all right? So uh, it sits in my cupboard uh, for maybe an hour, maybe two hours, and then I want to use it and give it. And um, there were a couple of Christmases ago, a week before Christmas, my wife's Christmas present was given, unwrapped, used, and broken a week before Christmas <laughs> by me, <laughs> by us, but by me. Gifts, my, my, I, I think it's, I'm, I, I just want to say that it's godly because gifts weren't meant to be kept, they were meant to be given. That's my excuse, all right? I'm trying to be like Jesus. But uh, th- th- there's something in me that when I, when I buy a gift, I, wanna, I don't want to keep it. The, the purpose of a gift is to give it and to unwrap it and to use it, not to, not to sit in a cupboard somewhere. And God has given us a gift, but for so many, that gift is sitting in the back of their cupboard, it's unopened. And for the few that have opened it, it's now sitting in the cupboard unused. And that gift is Sabbath and Sabbath rest. In Mark chapter 2, the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus breaking the law. And uh, they catch his disciples picking grain on the Sabbath. And so they question him. What are your disciples doing picking grain on the Sabbath? And he answers them, Mark chapter 2 verse 27. He says, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so many of us read this, and we only read one side of it, uh, that this, we weren't created for the Sabbath, but the other, which is true, but the other side is that Sabbath was created for man. God created it for man as a gift. Sabbath was created for man as a gift from God, and for so many of us, it's sitting in the cupboard, unwrapped and unused, and we're sitting in the lounge, desperately longing for a present. It's sitting in the cupboard, unwrapped. The world that we currently live in is characterized by what I call rest debt. We're living through one of the worst rest debts in history. Most of the people that I deal with are living in dangerous rest debt. We are a deeply rest indebted society. Our minds, our bodies, and our souls are in desperate need of debt rescue. The problem is that we get overwhelmed by this debt and our time off isn't used for the things that it should be because it feels like it's work. And so we never Sabbath properly. About three years ago, we realized that our family had a pretty average theology or understanding of Sabbath and a really poor habit of Sabbath. And so we set about changing that. Uh, developed, we developed a far better understanding of Sabbath and then we put in place far better habits and uh, you, you, your habits will never exceed your understanding or your knowledge, right? So you've got to grow your knowledge, grow your understanding so that your habits can change. We've got a finance course that's running on Monday night. And uh, if, so this is a free law plug. If you, if you missed last week, we're running this Monday. Um, come, Kingdom Finances, it's worth it. 6.30, just pull in. 
6.30 tomorrow night. The point is your, your, uh, under, your, your habits will never exceed your understanding. So if you want your financial habits to get better, let your financial understanding get better. If you want your rest habits to get better, if you want your Sabbath habits to get better, let your rest and your Sabbath understanding get better. All right? So my understanding, our understanding grew, and then our habits grew 80%, and then our habits grew 50%, and then it shrunk back to 40 and now we, we, we between 40 and 60%, but our habits are getting better. So I'm, I'm standing up here today, not as the one who's got it, but as the one who um, has grown our, we've grown our understanding a lot, and our habits, are, we, we're getting there step by step, day by day. I want to help you today to do the same. Sabbath is a gift from God, and it kills me. It kills me when gifts sit unopened and unused. Gifts were meant to be unwrapped, not kept in the cupboard. I want to help you unwrap it today and to use it. I think that God knew that as the effects of sin became more evident in the world, that mankind would see Sabbath not as the gift that it was intended to be, but they would see it uh, like a bit of a hassle, something that seems like work to try and plan, and so would end up not doing it properly. And because he knew this, he set aside the day as holy, and he commands his people to keep the Sabbath as holy. Genesis chapter 2, when God creates, it says this, So on the seventh day, he rested from his work, and then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work that of creating that he, was, that he had done. What this means is that there's, there's two things about Sabbath. Firstly, God blesses it, and secondly, he declares it as holy. What exactly is it that God blesses? Is it a particular day, or is it the principle of a day? Right? If it's a particular day, then we need to get that day right. We've spent so much time arguing, should the Sabbath be a Saturday or a Sunday? Should it be a Friday or a Monday? Which day is it? Right? If, God's, if what God blesses is a particular day, then that's an important argument to have. I don't think that's what God blesses, friends. I think what God blesses is the principle of a day. What God blesses is the rhythm of work hard for six days. If you missed last week's, uh, when I preached on work, Wherever you get your podcasts, jump on, look for Anthem Church. Anthemchurch.org.za is our website. All of our previous sermons on there. If you want to understand what it means to work hard for six days, right? Work hard for six days, and then on the seventh, rest. That's the rhythm that God has blessed. He doesn't bless the day. He blesses a day. The rhythm of 6-1, six, 6-1. One, six, one. That's the rhythm that God blesses. What matters is that you keep the rhythm. Rhythm is a beautiful thing. Rhythm is something that you can feel in the music. And just because you're dancing, you can all dance to the same rhythm, doesn't mean that you all have the same moves. That's the beautiful thing about rhythm, right? You can all dance to the same rhythm with different moves. So whether you, fr- you, you, you Sabbath on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or a Monday, doesn't make a difference. It's the rhythm. Six, one, six, one. The rhythm is what's blessed by God. A beautiful thing about this rhythm is that it carries the blessing of God. And so when I, when I live by that rhythm, I get to live under the blessing of God. You want to live under the blessing of God? Live under the rhythm of God. Of course you're already blessed by God, but don't you want more blessing? If I already had the blessing of ice cream, don't you also want the blessing of bar one sauce? Take it both. That's... That's what the rhythm of Sabbath is. It's me participating that the rhythm and the rhythm that God has woven into the DNA of creation. And when I live by that rhythm, I'm blessed. 
because he blesses the rhythm. He blesses it. Not only does God bless it, but he makes it holy. And to make something holy is to set it apart. It has a specific purpose. It's set aside, set apart, set aside for a specific purpose. In our house, we've got cutlery that's holy. Cutlery that's set aside for a specific purpose, right? This is not just everyday chicken and rice cutlery. It's not, it's not cutlery that me and the kids can use when Nick's is not there. It's guests only cutlery. It's holy. It's set apart for a specific purpose. More important people than me and the children. It's set apart for them, right? You're laughing because you've also got that cutlery. And you've got those towels that are set aside for guests only. Holy towels. Holy socks, some of you, but holy towels. God says the same thing about the Sabbath. He says, I set it apart. It's not a day like every other day. It's not a day to catch up on a few things that you didn't manage to get done. It's a holy day. When your wife's out the house, you can't just sneak the cutlery. It's set apart for a specific purpose. God says, don't, if, if, if you missed a few chores at home, don't sneak them into your Sabbath. It's not for that. It's been set apart for a specific purpose. And so what I need to understand is that when I practice Sabbath, I'm aligning myself with God's rhythm of creation. I'm living in blessing, and I'm participating in something that's holy. As you, as, as you, I'm, I'm, I'm trusted through one scripture, your, your understanding has already broadened a little bit. Something that's holy. The word holiday actually comes from the old English of holy day. Holiday. Right? Nobody objects to a holiday. I've never heard anybody, ah, I don't need a holiday. Nobody objects to a holiday. But for some reason, many people still object to a holy day, to a Sabbath. I can tell you why many people object to it, because it's also a command. So Sabbath is a principle in creation, but then it becomes a command when God gives his law. And as humans, we love to rebel against commands. Don't tell me what to do. And because it's a command in God's law, people think that it doesn't apply to them anymore. No, 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 I don't, I don't need to live according to the Ten Commandments. Jesus fulfilled them. I'm not under law, I'm under grace. So therefore, the Ten Commandments don't apply to me. That's awesome. But which of the Ten Commandments should we not follow? Is it don't murder? Is it don't commit adultery? Is it, is it don't steal? Which of the Ten Commandments are we no longer under? <laughs> I object to you murdering. That's fine, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. No, just don't murder. There are no other commands of God that we cannot follow just because we are under grace. Friends, every command in Scripture is binding on every single one of us when it's correctly understood and correctly applied to our context. We cannot just look at a command in Scripture and say, ah, that's for them. Keep the Sabbath holy, ah, it's for the Israelites. When they're in the desert, it's for them. It's not for me. Every single command in Scripture is binding on every single one of us when it's correctly understood and correctly applied to our context, right? But Jesus actually holds us to a higher standard than the law holds us. He says, the law says, don't murder. I say to you, don't get angry. The law says, don't commit adultery. I say to you, don't lust with your eyes. It's a higher standard than the law holds us to. He says, don't throw the law out the window. Actually, uh, the law was unattainable, and the standard I'm holding you to is even higher than that. My standard is a pure heart. 
See, because Jesus' standard is not only doing the right thing according to the law, it's wanting to do the right thing for the right reasons. It's a change of heart, not only a change of behavior. Christianity isn't behavior modification. It's not an outward change of lifestyle. It's a change of the heart. Not a change from bad to good, but a change from dead to alive. And this results in an outward lifestyle change. Sabbath is the same. According to Hebrews chapter 4, Sabbath is about permanently entering God's rest. There is a spirit of rest because of what Jesus has done, and that's correct. But it's not just that. It is also a 24-hour period, a day, that is set apart that we have to keep holy, right? It's not just, okay, I don't get angry, but then I still murder somebody. I've got to keep both. God's standard is not only change your behavior, it's change your desires, a purity of heart. I hold you to a higher standard. But at the same time, because of your purity of heart, because of your internal change, what was dead is now alive, there needs to be a behavior change at the same time. So it's not only enter the spirit of rest, it's also have a Sabbath, 24 hours, one day. The world has a spirit of restlessness. The world is restless. It's continually restless. It's marked by anxiety, overwork, greed, pride, burnout, competition. The followers of Jesus should be marked by rest, by restfulness, not restlessness. Sabbath is both a principle and a command. And if it never became a command from God, I would argue that it would still be binding on us because it was a principle in creation. And likewise, just because it's a command and I'm now under grace doesn't mean that I don't get to follow the command. I have to follow the principle and obey the command. It was a principle and a command. I should follow the principle and I also have to obey, obey the command. It's both. Therefore, I should be doing it a whole lot better than I am. And so should you. When I submit to the rhythm of Sabbath, the entire cycle of my life falls into rhythm of it. The rhythm of my life is blessed and set apart. But Sabbath isn't only a concept or a spirit. It's an actual day, a 24-hour period that I have to observe. And as I said earlier, I had a fairly poor understanding of Sabbath, and I had a really poor habit of Sabbath. And today I want to help you in both. I want to help you to unwrap the gift that Sabbath is, so that you can be obedient, in rhythm, blessed, and set apart, living from a place of rest. So that's why we Sabbath. I want to look really quickly at four things that should mark our Sabbath. And if you want your Sabbath to get better, this is a good place to start. I'm immensely grateful for the work of men and women like John Mark Comer, Carrie Newhoff, Pete Scazzaro, John Aldridge, um, for their work on Sabbath that's really helped shape my understanding and my practice of Sabbath. So the Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat, and it means to cease or to stop, simply to cease or to stop. And it was a day that the Israelites stopped working. It was a day set aside for rest, but there's more to it than simply stopping work. So Sabbath is centered on four principles, on four things. It's about ceasing and stopping. It's about resting. It's about delight, and it's about worshiping. These are the four things that should mark your Sabbath. Let's look at them real quick. Firstly, ceasing or stopping. For many people, this is as far as their understanding of Sabbath goes. On, on, on one day, I will stop working. That's as far as it goes. It's a day that I don't work. But we also don't then define what work is. 
So what are we allowed to do or not allowed to do? So the, the strictest interpretation, the strictest reading of the, the Septuagint, which is the, the uh, Hebrew law, wouldn't even allow people to raise their hands to press an elevator button, right? So they put elevators so that you don't climb the stairs. Climbing the stairs is work. But in an elevator, to raise your hand to press a button to go to the ninth floor was considered work. So if you go to Israel, many of the hotels have uh, buttons at this level so that you can press the ninth floor without having to be accused of work because you lifted your hand on the Sabbath. So in the society that we live in at the moment, it actually requires a lot of dedication and a lot of discipline to stop working for an entire 24-hour period. I know. Because I sit with some of you. Because I see some of you. And because I'm in the same boat. The problem is that most people, most people, are content with sort of stopping working. We're content with sort of stopping working, 80%. Well, 20% work, is fine. If you had sewage leaking into your swimming pool, would you be content with sort of stopping the leak? Or would you want it completely, or would you want to completely cut off before you threw your children into the pool and had to swim with them, knowing that they're going to spit water at each other in the pool? It's a little bit of a graphic example, and it's a little bit of a... Um, raw example, living, we live in Durban with the sea, right? But the point is, we're content with sort of stopping working. And we allow the sewage of work to leak into the pool of our Sabbath. Sort of. We're happy with sort of stopping. It has to stop, friends. It has to stop. Put your phone away. Put your laptop away. Sabbath isn't a time to catch up on household chores that you didn't get round to. Sabbath is a time to stop, to cease, to stop working, and even harder for some, to stop thinking about work. It's a time to stop worrying. It's a time, a time to stop wanting and thinking of work. Don't stop work and then spend the entire day thinking and worrying about your work. You haven't stopped. You have to detach yourself from work completely. Again, I know, in our society, this takes incredible discipline. But John, I can't, I can't leave my work for 24 hours. I can't disconnect from my work for 24 hours. Friends, if the work that you do requires you to be on it for seven days instead of six, might I suggest that either your work is the problem or you are? One of those two things. If the work that you do requires you to be on it for seven days and not six, the work that you do is the problem or you are. Those are your only two options. Not ceasing to work isn't just a bad practice. It's actually disobedience. Too many people are chronically overworked, and then we hope that we can take a few weeks off, and magically everything will be okay. Remember I spoke in the, in the beginning about being in rest debt. And some people are so deeply in rest debt that it's going to take a year of ceasing to get you out of that debt. Time off isn't the solution for an unsustainable pace. If you work at an unsustainable pace, taking time off, even if it's six months, is not the solution to that. You, you will only ever spend your time off recovering, and you'll never be able to reduce your rest deficit. After your time off, you will come back to work with the same amount of rest deficit. The only solution to an unsustainable pace is a sustainable pace and a jealously guarded Sabbath. A jealously guarded Sabbath. If you work at a sustainable pace and you Sabbath properly, you will be blessed 
and, and set apart. You will be holy. You can't work seven days a week and then ask God to bless what you're doing. Because what you're doing is actually disobedience, and God doesn't bless disobedience. As humans, we think, if, if I work harder, right? God, if, if I work seven days, God will bless me more. No, no friends, he won't, because you're disobedient. He won't bless your disobedience. What he will do, you, you will find, if you work for six days, if you, are, if you are obedient to God's rhythm, to his principle and his command, you will be more blessed than if you work seven. God cannot bless disobedience. He only blesses obedience. So we have a recovery ministry in this church, and one of the founding principles of recovery from addiction is that recovery is more than abstinence. Sabbath is the same. Sabbath is about more than ceasing from work. Right? Recovery is not just abstinence. It's abstinence plus change. Right? You can't have change without abstinence, and you can't have Sabbath without ceasing, but Sabbath is about more than ceasing. It's about more than just stopping. It's also, secondly, about rest. This can be a tricky one for some people. So it's not, only take, it's not only a day off. Sabbath is not only a day off, it's a Sabbath. So I take five days a week to work at my job, to serve my job. I take one day a week to serve my family. That's serving my kids, serving my wife, uh, doing maintenance, doing garden, doing, doing household chores. That's one day a week. And then I take one day to Sabbath. And Sabbath is not only a day off, it's a day to rest, not a day for chores, not a day, no phone, no email. Rest brings into focus another Hebrew word, shalom. And uh, we often translate shalom as peace, but it's far more than that. Shalom is a sense of wellness, of wholeness, of contentment, of enjoyment, of rest, of peace, of fulfillment. When I cease from work, I also have to add rest to it. I can't just cease to nothing. I've got to cease work to something. I've got to stop work and put something in, rest. The first part of the something that I put in is rest. Here's the psychological rule of thumb for rest. If you work with your mind, rest with your hands. If you work with your hands, rest with your mind. Your mind, your body, and your soul need to rest. Friends, just vegging on the couch isn't rest. Vegging on the couch is just a distraction. For the person who works with their mind all week, Rest with a physical activity, for example, exercise. If you work physically with your hands all week, rest with a mental activity, for example, reading. Binge-watching a series isn't rest. It's just self-medication, bad self-medication. Find a healthy outlet for your rest. Find an activity that fuels you. You know what feeds you, your mind, your body, and your soul. So go and do that activity to rest. Don't just cease working and then get sucked into an activity that drains you. Do something that feeds you. The principle is that I practice rest for, 24 hour, for a 24-hour period so that I can live from that place of rest for the other six days of the week. The third principle is delight, which sounds like a bit of a weird word to use in Sabbath, but God wants us to delight in Him and His creation. In our family, we practice something called pleasure stacking. You practice it too, you just don't know it. <laughs> Basically, you take your favorite things, like things like raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, just a few of your favorite things. Take a few of your favorite things and you stack them, you stack them on your Sabbath. Your favorite food, your favorite activities, your favorite friends, all stacked in one day. So the, the principle is the Christian life is one of denying yourself for six days, and then on the Sabbath, you pleasure stack. Your favorite friends, food, activities, 
Put it all on the Sabbath. Things that bring you pleasure and delight. Most of you pleasure stack already. You just do it unhealthily. How many people sit and watch TV, sports, a movie, and you scroll on your phone at the same time? If you had two phones, you would scroll two phones and watch the TV at the same time. Am I wrong? When you drive, you listen to music and a podcast sometimes. Background music and a podcast in the foreground. We pleasure stack in an unhealthy way. We're all familiar with the principle. We want to do a few of our favorite things. We just do them unhealthily. The idea here is that your Sabbath, rather than being a boring day that feels like hard work, your Sabbath should be the highlight of your week. So if you pleasure stack your Sabbath, it becomes a highlight. Something that you look forward to. In our house, we don't, offer, we don't have uh, dessert after a meal. On the Sabbath, if we're able to, Sabbath is a day that we have dessert after a meal. It should be something to look forward to. The best food, the best activities, the best people, all stacked on one day. Your Sabbath can help you. Don't spend your Sabbath moping around in a room watching TV. Feed, feed your soul with the medicine of God's beauty so that you can begin to heal. Lastly, Sabbath is about worship. We know that worship is more than just singing songs, but singing songs is absolutely part of our worship. And uh, one, of, one of the best arguments for Sabbath being on a Sunday is that we are able to come together and practice worship as part of our Sabbath with a community. But worship is, uh, is not only singing songs. It's, a, it's primarily about union with God. Worship is about union and attachment to God. We were created for union with God, made possible through Jesus. And so it's not just switch off and disconnect. It's about connect also. It's not just about detach from work and detach from the world. It's about attach to God, have union with God. It's not only disconnect from work and disconnect from the world. It's about reconnect with God. We have to practice both detachment from work and detachment from the world, but also worship, attachment, union with God. I spoke on this a few weeks ago when I was speaking on resilience. Again, if you, uh, if you missed it, wherever you get your podcasts, our website, anthem.org.za, go and listen to it. It was helpful. Have a listen. So many of us never detach from the cares of the world, and so we never end up Sabbathing. We only ever have a day off, and for some of us, only a few hours off. Because we've never detached from the world. And because we never detach, we never have union, we don't practice union with God because we're still so attached and bogged down by the things of the world, by the things of the earth, primarily our work. And so we spend uh, we come back from our time off. We spend our time off being distracted and self-medicating, and we finish our time off with our mind, body, and soul in the same place as when we started, sometimes worse off, no union, no connection with God has been healed. And so we say, Sabbath, I tried Sabbath, it didn't work. No, friends, what you tried was a poor substitute. It was a cheap cheap knockoff to what the Creator designed. In that same sermon series, we spoke about benevolent detachment, but kindly detangling ourselves from the cares of this world so that they don't grab hold of us tightly and bring us down so that we're able to heal our union with Jesus through worship. Again, if you missed it, have a listen. So are you sitting here here today with chronic rest debt 
that you can't find a way out of? Are you one of the majority of the population who is chronically in rest debt? Sabbath is a great first step to address the crushing burden of that debt. It's a gift from God that we have to unwrap and use. So if that's, what, if that's you here today, I'm going to give you two quick handles to start with. Where can you start? Write down, begin by writing down your ideal 24-hour period that is replicable, that you can repeat, that you can do again, right? Write down a 24-hour period, the best thing you can think of, that you can keep doing as part of a rhythm, right? Don't write, I want to go to Disneyland for 24 hours, because you can't keep doing that, all right? Write down your best 24-hour period that's replicable, replicable, that's replicable, that you can keep doing, that you can replicate, Write down that period, and then start from where you are so that you can end up where you want to be, right? Remember, I spoke earlier about your understanding growing before your habits grow. So I trust that your understanding is growing a little bit today. If your habits at a 1, don't say, ah, I can't, I'll never get my habit to a 10, and so I'm not going to try. Take your habit to a 2 or a 3, right? Start from where you are so that you can get to where you want to be. Start putting it into place, small steps at a time. A good place to stop is ceasing, right? A good place to start your journey of recovery is abstinence. You can add the change. You must add the change, but a good place to start is abstinence. A good place to start Sabbath is ceasing. Stop working. 24 hours. Disconnect. Then you can add rest, add delight, add worship as your habit, as you get into the rhythm and as your habit improves. All of us, Get an absolute gift from God. Don't let it sit in your cupboard, unwrapped, unused. Unwrap it. Use it. Don't break it before Christmas, but unwrap it and use it. Can you stand with me, please?